Hey friends, I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. I'm the host of the new podcast, Commotion. If you don't know about us yet, well, we are your daily deep dive into the biggest stories coming out of the world of pop culture, art, and entertainment. And luckily, I'm not going to be doing it alone, okay? I'll be joined by some brilliant culture writers and thoughtful super fans. We're going to have hilarious hot takes. We're going to have vibrant debates. Consider this your invitation to join the group chat. Get in here and join us. Commotion, available weekdays on CBC Listen. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to give you a heads up. We're going to be mentioning instances of sexual and physical violence. Please listen with care. Now, what y'all want to do? Want to be ballers, shot callers, brawlers, we'll be dipping in the bins with the spoilers. Whether you call him Puff Daddy, Diddy, Love, or just Sean Combs, he's a huge name in music and pop culture. He's been around for over 30 years, and he's still relevant. Diddy just released an album featuring basically the who's who of hip-hop and R&B, and his business ventures over the years have run the gamut from fashion to media and even e-commerce. But over the last month, four women have come forward with lawsuits alleging several incidents of sexual assault and domestic violence spanning three decades. The first to come forward was Diddy's longtime ex-partner and R&B star, Cassie. Today, we're joined by Andre G. He's a staff writer at Rolling Stone, and he's going to talk about these current accusations and how significant it might be that someone of Diddy's stature in the music industry is facing them publicly. Hey, Andre, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And just, just to make it clear, because this is a guy with a lot of names, we're, we're going to probably toggle back and forth between Sean Combs and, and Diddy as well throughout this conversation, just so people listening, uh, you know, have that before we launch into this. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So Andre, let's start with the first suit that seemed to kind of kick things in motion here. So this is the one filed by Cassandra Ventura, known to most people as Cassie. She and Sean Combs were a couple on and off for, for nearly a decade. Now, according to her suit, what are some of the things she says uh, that he did? Yeah, so the suit alleges that, you know, during the course of their relationship and even afterwards, he was basically physically abusive. He uh, was, he sexually assaulted her. He uh, allegedly raped her. Um, he would force her to have sex with male escorts while he recorded her. And she would be, you know, drugged or, you know, otherwise intoxicated during these instances. Um, her... Uh, lawsuit just overall speaks to an environment or a circumstance where he was just physically, emotionally, sexually abusive to her. And also, um, he, I guess, kind of hurt her career prospects in the regard of, uh, like assaulting, um, potential collaborators or people who were trying to work with her, as well as, uh, allegedly bombing Kid Cudi's car because he got wind that they were allegedly seeing each other. So, yeah, the loss was pretty disturbing. So one of the things that really stood out to me was uh, really just how nasty some of this violence against her was. I mean, just awful attacks. And then, as you mentioned, this allegation that Diddy blew up Kid Cudi's car. I mean, I I, I was surprised that wasn't bigger news. Yeah, I had heard. Well, I'm surprised I had never heard of it it occurring before the actual lawsuit. I mean— 
Kid Cudi, at the time this allegedly happened, he was like a pretty major artist already. And it, it just, mm. I don't know, even speaks to, you know, maybe Diddy's influence and power that something like that could occur and it didn't even make the news cycle. One of the things that Cassie said when she she came out talking about this, she, she said in a statement that she felt an urgency to tell her story because there was a law called the New York Adult Survivors Act and that's set to expire. So can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so this was an act um, that was enacted by uh, New York Governor um, Hockley last year, and it gave survivors of sexual assault a one-year window to file claims that were otherwise past the statute of limitations. It is a victory for justice. And it is long overdue. Governor Kathy Hochul signed a new bill that allows victims of sex abuse to sue, regardless of how long ago the alleged crime happened. For this one-year period, lawsuits will not be barred by the statute of limitations. The deadline was November 23rd, if I recall correctly. So that gave <laughs> her and, you know, the other filers, uh, yeah, like you said, a sense of urgency to make sure that their lawsuits and stories were heard before that deadline. Cassie started dating Diddy about a year after the release of her debut album. That, that was back in 2006. Yes. And on that album, there, there was the hit Me and You, which is probably what, you know, if, 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 if you're familiar with it, that's probably why you know her. Before that, she uh, had signed a 10, 10 album record deal with, with his label, Bad Boy. But then she didn't go on to release any more albums. So can you tell me what happened to her career? Yeah, I mean, essentially it sputtered out. I mean, like you said, she released Me and You, which was a pretty popular single. I mean, to this day, you you still might hear it in the mm. right mix or right setting. Uh, it, you know, displayed potential to have a somewhat of a career. But after that, she didn't release much music. And like you said, she was... Uh, essentially like ensnared in this 10 album deal which sounds insane so <clears throat> I, again this is just speculative but that hints to an environment where with diddy's profile and his connections and network maybe there was a chance that she was stigmatized uh, in the industry to the point where okay if you work with cassie or try to <clears throat> you know collaborate with her you have to deal with the wrath of diddy in some in some regard so between having her in this contract where he controlled her musical output and like being such a dominating figure in her life mm. it effectively yeah it really it really hindered her career from being able to be what it could have been and, and she was really young too from she was like 19 or 20 right when she when she put out that de debut album yeah yeah like 18 or 19 like very young mm. yeah mm. okay so since since cassie filed her lawsuit three other suits from three other women have come forward can you tell me what, what's in these other suits? What, what, are the, what are these women accusing Sean Combs of? Yeah, so, I mean, all three of the other suits are allegedly sexual assault, but uh, they also have parallels to the, some of the claims that Cassie made in terms of uh, one of the lawsuits. There was a woman who alleged that um, that he took her to dinner and then to the studio. And when she was on her way into the studio, she felt, quote unquote, in a physical state where she could not independently stand or walk. Um, which implies being, you know, possibly intoxicated. And so that there was another suit, the fourth suit that was filed from 
a woman uh, who was a girl at the time, a 17-year-old, and she alleged that she was plied with, quote-unquote, a copious amount of drugs and alcohol um, and flown out from Michigan to New York City to, like, meet Diddy and whatever else. Uh, Well, yeah, it alleges that she was, you know, assaulted. And there was a second lawsuit that was filed where a woman alleged that Diddy and singer-songwriter Aaron Hall um, took turns raping her and a friend in the early 90s. So again, there are parallels when you when you speak to um, you know obviously the sexual assault and then the the drugging of the women and then the filming of them and the gang rape aspect. So how has Sean Combs responded to the string of accusations? Well, when the Cassie lawsuit was settled, he denied all the claims. And after mm-hmm. the fourth suit last week, uh, Diddy released a statement on his Instagram and to several outlets saying that. He did not do any of the things that were being alleged and, quote unquote, I will fight for my name, my family and for the truth. So he's unequivocally denying that any of these accusations are true. Have you ever wondered why you see what you see when you're online? I'm Jamie Bartlett, and in The Gatekeepers from BBC Radio 4, I'm telling the story of how social media accidentally conquered the world. Mark's explained to me he's going for a billion users. I'm going, for what? I'm sorry, what is it you're going to do? They can give us a voice or silence us, whoever we are. At Real Donald Trump, it says, account suspended. Everything to understand how we got here and where it's taking us, listen to The Gatekeepers. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a step back um, outside these allegations and and take a look at Sean Combs himself. So he's he's obviously one of hip hop's biggest moguls. He's he's got you know a huge footprint in the music industry, but he's also got a a really startling number of successful business ventures too. So can can you tell me a bit more about his stature in the music industry and beyond that? Yeah, like you said, he's pretty much a seminal cultural figure when you talk about music within the past. 20, 30 years, even just the music industry in general, he was a key figure in the rise of a lot of 90s music acts in terms of Mary J. Blige. Notorious B.I.G. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. And through that cultural relevance, he leveraged that into... Uh, this space as a music mogul and just a general entrepreneur when it comes to, you know, Sean John clothing, um, just uh, being a label head and in general, uh, with Bad Boy Records, um, having, being, uh, having partnerships with Ciroc Vodka and Deleon Tequila. And then along with the liquor brands, you also have Revolt, which is a media outlet, a TV (laughs) channel, as well as a website, uh, which has become a pretty prominent, um, outlet within the, uh, rap media space or just cultural media space in general. So he has a, a wide range of endeavors that have accrued him a lot of money. Um, he's hinted at being a billionaire. He's uh, often at the top of the Forbes list, the net worth list. And, you know, that kind of power and influence buys you a lot of protection, unfortunately. One of the things that seems kind of central to how he projects himself at least is is this image of him as being you know someone who can make and break careers in the industry and and i I mean that seems to be clear Uh, we're thinking back to his his show making the band 
Their shows were lackluster. They were very inexperienced. So I'm gonna show them some tricks that I know from me being a, a pretty okay, great, incredible superstar. Just from my perspective. You know, that that was kind of the the, the central tenant of that. How central would you say power was to his personal brand? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's a core, it's a core aspect of who he is. Like you said, on making the band, he just had this domineering image to where these people on the show were like grown adults, but they kind of had this fear of his approval or fear or desire for his <laughs> approval as if he was like a paternal figure. Word is gone. My cheesecake, my cheesecake is in the least bit soft, a brittle, or not on point. Yo, we'll go back. You know what Junior's is at? Yo, fam, Puffy just told us to go to the store in Brooklyn and bring him back a cheesecake and walk. Because he basically held the key <laughs> to their future, you know, conceivably as, you know, the gateway to music fame and stardom, et cetera. And, and then, you know, you, you you talk about people on on making the band being afraid of him. There, there was There was also outside of music or included in music, but in general, he, he had this reputation for having a temper, like a serious temper. So what kind of allegations have surrounded him in the past? Yeah. I mean, even beyond the, you know, domestic violence, the man, the man, woman allegations, there are several <laughs> instances or allegations of him, like losing his temper and assaulting or having men assaulted, whether that's Steve Stout, who was a music executive, who he was mad about, right. the hate me, or allegedly mad about the Hate Me Now video and, and assaulted him. Uh, there's also the instance of him getting into it with the UCLA football coach, Sal Alosi, I believe, who was coaching his son. And I guess, allegedly, he may not have liked the way the coach was treating his son and a fight somehow occurred. Puff was arrested after allegedly swinging a kettlebell at Alosi. But as for the details... I can't speak about anything else that happened. Right. Was there a kettlebell involved? <laughs> I went there to communicate. <laughs> so yeah, there's a history of him losing his temper and fighting. In your piece uh, for Rolling Stone, you you wrote about how some of Diddy's former associates are, are coming forward in light of these suits from these these women and sharing their stories about Combs and and, and they're corroborating the kind of things that you know Sean Combs has been accused of. So I, I guess I'm curious, who are these guys, these associates of his, and and what are they saying? Yeah, these are several men who were in the Bad Boy orbit in the '90s and 2000s. Um, uh, Mark Curry, who was a former bad boy artist. Mark Curry went on a YouTube channel recently and alleged that he was with Diddy when they were, you know, in the club drugging women. They would have a set of bottles. And on this bottle, they'd be, they'd be regular Moet bottles. On them bottles right there, they'd been to have something to make the girls be real, real slippery and all of this kind of stuff. So when you get up, they'd be like, don't touch them bottles right there and only drink them bottles right there. Then, all of the girls is in the club after a while. They all running, look, opening up their mouth like little birds. He's running around just popping pills in their mouth. Pop, pill, 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 pill. And Curry said that, yeah, he, at the time, he didn't see anything wrong with it. He thought it was, quote unquote, the hip hop culture. But then you also have Roger Bonds, who's another former security guard of Diddy. He, after Cassie's lawsuit came out, he went on Instagram 
and essentially said, yeah, um, a lot of this is true. Um, he corroborated Cassie's account that there were instances where he had, he, Bonds had to separate the two and get Combs like off of Cassie when he was assaulting her. And yeah, Bonds essentially said, yeah, that happened multiple times and it didn't just happen with Cassie. Cassie spoke on it. She said, yeah, I jumped on it. I jumped in between it. That wasn't the only time. It was other times and it was other people. Yeah, these are some of the men who were in the bad boy orbit, whether they were artists or security guards who were privy, who were exposed to the violence, who may have been involved in the, in the misconduct themselves. And they're now coming forward with their stories, um, even if it condemns them as well. And I should note, as of Wednesday, Diddy hadn't responded directly to these accusations from his former associates. But in the statement we mentioned earlier, he, he says, and I'll quote here, for the last couple of weeks... I've sat silently and watched people try to assassinate my character, destroy my reputation and my legacy. And he goes on to say he didn't do any of the awful things being alleged. But now getting back to some of the guys who were around him and what they're saying, it seems as though there was this culture of silence and complicity, something that, that seemed to come up in Cassie's suit as well. I'm listening to these guys' stories and I'm like, why do you have more than one story? Like, why did you not leave? Why did you not call him out. Why, why did you stick around after the first time? It just, you know, that's a, that's a question for them essentially. But again, like you said, it speaks to a culture of complicity of looking the other way, whether that's because it's financially beneficial or culturally, or whether you're scared of his industrial or cultural power. But regardless, there are survivors who, you know, these things happen to that uh, there were people there who potentially could have alleviated or, or mitigated what was happening, and they didn't. What's the fallout of these allegations been for Sean Combs? Yeah, so to this point, um, the tangible uh, fallout is he's had to step down as the chairman of Revolt, his uh, media platform that I mentioned earlier. And apparently it's he's temporarily stepping down. We'll see if he ever takes that <clears> position <throat> again. Um, then there were also Rolling Stone reported uh, last week that AT businesses have stepped away from his e-commerce platform, Empower Global. And several of those businesses essentially um, made it clear that the allegations, um, not just Cassie's allegations, but the other lawsuits made him someone that they didn't want to partner with. Um, and then just culturally, I guess the court of public opinion, right. he now has to deal with, you know, his legacy and reputation being marred similar in a manner similar to R. Kelly or uh, I'm trying to think Dr. Dre there, just these, these other entertainers who have legendary music, but now you feel like morally compromised and playing it or listening to it or, or enjoying it because of just the disgusting things they've been accused of. So now there's that to contend with for him as well. And and what do you, what do you think the, in terms of his legacy is what, what do you think about his musical footprint or collaborations as, with him as a producer? Do you think, do you think people are going to kind of force him to go the way of R. Kelly or? Unfortunately, we've seen men accused of sexual violence, um, accused of domestic violence, they still are able to eke out a living um, to some level. You see like a Chris Brown, like maybe mm -hmm. he's not the major top tier pop star that he was on the trajectory to being, but he's still been 
more successful than a lot of people over the past 10, 13 years or whatever since those Rihanna accusations and the other ones that have been made against him. So again, like Diddy is an artist or yeah, an artist, entertainer, et cetera, who's been around for 30 years and he has a, a vast network, a lot of connections, a lot of cross-generational connections, whether it's artists of his generation who came up with him, who are still somewhat relevant, who might collaborate with him, or it's younger artists, or even just on the executive level or beyond the music, people who will who have relationship with him, who've made money with him, who made history with him, who will, uh, you know, probably look the other way and, and mm-hmm. do what they can to help him, collaborate with him, do business with him. So that's my prediction, sadly. All right, Andre, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, again, thank you for having me. I'm glad people are, you know, amplifying this conversation. All right, that's all for today. I'm Damon Fairless. Thanks for listening to FrontBurner, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.